live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, laughter. What is better than laughter? I, I don't think that there's much better than laughter. It's one of the most important things that we can do. And, and also connecting with fellow humans. That's so important. And if you combine those two things, connecting with your fellow humans and laughing, one thing that pops up, and there are many, but one thing that pops up out of that is improv comedy. And as you all know, we're huge fans of improv comedy here at the No Outlet Podcast. And today, today we have another first on the No Outlet Podcast. We have the founder and owner of an improv comedy company and theater. And uh, this past summer, I was lucky enough to be traveling through the great state of Rhode Island. And at that same time, as luck would have it, uh, there happened to be a performance um, by an amazing group of improv comedians known as Rat Scraps. And they were also putting on workshops. So I was sold. I was in. I knew nothing about the the theater. I knew nothing about the town, really. But I'm like, we're going there. And uh, that theater is Kismet Improv Theater. And, and tonight, we're lucky enough to have one of the founders and owners to talk about all things improv, how they got into it, comedy in general, and what it's like to, to run a small theater through COVID and beyond. So without any further delay, please give a warm, no outlet welcome to Luke from Kismet Theater. Luke, how are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. For having me, Ethan, it's, a, it's really nice to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. We're going to play a game called 20 Questions. And okay. the easy part for me is it always starts the same place. And that's question number one. And this is the easiest question of all of them. Tell the good people in the studio audience and listening at home, tell them all about Kismet Improv. Uh, Kismet Improv is a improv theater that I started with my wife, um, Taylor Bruneau. Uh, we opened in 2021, actually. So you mentioned through COVID. I would actually say post-COVID, as COVID was waning, um, uh, we, we launched at the, in the fall of 2021 in the wonderful uh, Providence community of improvisers. Um, we are located in Pawtucket, which is just next to, to Providence. Uh, it might as well be, uh, uh, you know, kissing cousins with uh, Providence. So um, uh, we are thrilled to to put on shows every Friday and Saturday, um, including house teams, which we've developed at, at the theater, um, and using some amazing improvisers who we know from, you know, past lives in Boston or, uh, but they have training in LA, they have, you know, training in New York and they happen to live in the area and they've infused our community with uh, a ton of improv knowledge and performing ability as well. So, um, and on Saturday nights, we present uh, different shows um, most weeks, including um, those produced by our own talent. Uh, so sketch shows, improv shows. We also have stand-up shows periodically. We're going to have a big holiday show in in, uh, in December. So, um, And then that's on top of all of our classes that we have weekly um, and some free drop-ins and practice groups and that kind of thing. So it's been a blast. Amazing. Yeah, no, and it's a really cool theater. I was there, as I mentioned, and you're able to transform it from a space where you could put on a pretty good size class or workshop into a place where you could have a really good size show with 
a bar and a hangout area, and it's just a really special spot. Let's talk about uh, Pawtucket real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had never been to the great city of Pawtucket before, and if anybody out there is in my same position and you had to describe the town with one word, what would that word be? History. 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 Mm-hmm. I like that. It, yeah, it's it's an industrial, old industrial town. There's a lot of mills that have been converted, uh, but they're still standing. So we're in one of these old mills, and we're right next to a big uh, rock venue where you have bands like Mountain Goats play there from time to time. Uh, but then you also have mill, we have artists in these mill spaces, um, famous Slater Mill for anyone who's uh, 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 familiar with the, the Blackstone Valley is, is nearby. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a city that's built on history um, and it's, it's very proud um, to be Pawtucket. It's its own city. It's, it's neighbors to the province, like I said, but it's also got its own identity. There's a very... Uh, healthy uh, mix of uh, people from all walks of life, from yeah. all ethnic backgrounds, very large Cape Verdean uh, background uh, group in Pawtucket um, and large Hispanic population as well. Um, it's a great city, you know, and it's right, you know, it's on the way to Boston. So you have people who move down from Boston. We have some friends who move down uh, because they're like too, too expensive in Boston. We're going to live here and we're going to do improv. So yeah. it worked out for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there are a number, if you go up and down New England, there are a number of old mills, whether it's Lewiston, Maine, Manchester, New Hampshire, Bedford, New Hampshire. You can go everywhere, and there's old mill buildings that have been converted in many different ways. Some are just, you know, straight-up condominiums. Some are a combination of retail and condo. Uh, some still have some light manufacturing going on. But I really like what they've done with the mill where you guys are at because it almost feels like, you know, the exterior, clearly it was a mill, but then you walk in. And you feel like you're walking into like a another subset of the city with all these different cool, uh, you know, business owners. I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't across the, across the way from where you guys are at like a is it a violinist or a or a mm-hmm. yeah? So it's just it, yeah. It's, our neighbors are we got a violin uh, repair shop. Really, the place you go if if you're you or your kid is like working at playing violin and they need repairs or they need to get a very violin. It's like the place. Um, there's also a pie shop that's on the hall, which I don't know if it's open when you were there, but it's pretty nice to have a pie shop, uh, making pies all the time. Uh, it's, so pie. yeah. So, uh, yep. So there's different little shops. There's also like fashion shops. There's like, a um, hair salons in the building. Uh, yeah. So it's got a whole, uh, range of businesses there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go back in the time machine a little bit here. So obviously, if you've got this network of people that you know from past lives in improv and, and you've got this theater, you know, clearly you have studied improv. How did you actually get into, what was the motivation to start studying improv to the point where you are at, where you're at right now? Well, I started in theater uh, in college and in high school and that kind of thing. So I was just doing theater, you know, plays, written words, nothing improvised. Uh, a lot of musicals and that kind of thing. I also have a strong music background. Um, and I moved to Chicago because I was going to grad school for something totally unrelated to improv. Um, and uh, I was working on a, a production and it was a comedy. 
and it was a lot of work. <laughs> it was right. putting, moving sets and putting on, I was producing it, you know, I was putting on a uh, wardrobe and uh, props and that kind of thing. And it, honestly, it was fun and it was funny, but it wasn't nearly as funny as what I was seeing at IO, formerly called Improv Olympic, which was sure. right near Wrigley uh, Field at the time on a great stretch of um, restaurants and stuff on, on Clark Street there in Chicago. And I just, was like this is amazing. I saw these two improvisers. They're they're called TJ and Dave. Yeah. Um. And one of them you know from the old Sonic commercials. I don't think he's on there anymore. And one you know from the show Beep. And uh, but at the time they're just two improvisers, and they would put on two a two person show where it would be a a single scene basically, but they would play all these different characters. You know, they'd play six characters. And it was so convincing and so real and so fun. Like you, people tend to think improv is like, it's goofy, you know, it's like, but this was so compelling, you know, and so right. emotional and also really, really funny. Yeah. And I just kept going. It was like, when there's a 10, I think. And I would go and just sit in the cabaret space there. And like, I was like, I got to do this. So I, I took a class there. Um, and then my, I was in grad school. My, I moved for grad school to, to Boston. And I was like, I got to keep doing this, you know? And luckily for me, Boston uh, had featured uh, Improv Boston, especially in Cambridge, right next to Boston, mm-hmm. um, and was led by Will Luera, who is a really respected and awesome uh, improviser, teacher, coach, performs all over the world, and just like inspires the fun, most fun elements of improv. So I was really, really lucky because like I was able to see the best stuff in Chicago. And then I was able to learn from the best in Boston. Um, and I start, you know, I, I just went from there. Amazing. So then you, you, you fall in love with improv, not hard to do. I'm there myself. You, you, you learn from some of the best out there and, and that in and of itself would, would be a, enough for many people. But what drove you to then say, okay, now I want to, I, I want to put my neck out there and I'm going to open up a, a theater where I'm going to teach mm-hmm. people and put on shows. Like, what was that leap? What was that motivation? Well, my wife and I are both from Rhode Island. So we left Boston around 2017 just to kind of move closer to family, you know. And so we're in Rhode Island. And Rhode Island does have improv. It already had improv. It has um, uh, a group that's in Providence. It has a group in Newport. Um, it has a group in Cranston, like all over Rhode Island. But we had a very sort of specific idea in mind in terms of like the improv we wanted to create and not that there's anything wrong with all those other groups they're they're great but but we had learned so much in improv boston and there's a level of kind of focus on i would say professionalism and as mm-hmm. well as the fun elements of improv um which don't run counter to each other they actually run together they thread really nicely together so we were like let's do it our way we just we want to make a healthy space also that pays performers for every every performer, they get paid something. It's not necessarily a lot of money for every performance, but it's something because we view it as that they should. They're working hard to put on a good show, to train, to rehearse. So we number one thing was we want to pay pay performers, um, and we didn't want to just make it for you know a hobby for people who had you know enough free time and money to do improv because that created a really sort of mono monoculture in improv that we wanted to help. Um, to grow. We wanted to grow out of monoculture. We want to have a theater that represents different voices, different types of people that isn't just like, you know, but in Chicago, I started a class with a bunch of other 25-year-old 
guys who, you know, I just got out of college, right? Like, I want to, you know, we want to see people all ages, different ethnic groups and that kind of thing. So that was a big part of what sure. we were focused on as well. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's really cool. So you kind of touched on the fact that there are many different types of improv. Like if you go to UCB, you're, you're going to probably learn about the Herald. If you go to another school, you might focus on short form. Uh, you might've learned two different styles between, you know, improv Boston and, and IO. What, how would you describe the improv that you teach at Kismet? Um, that's a great question. How would I describe the improv that we teach? <laughs> I would say we focus on discovering what's in the room. We focus on listening to your gut, to listening to, to asking yourself, what do you think is funny? What do you think is interesting about the scene? It's not, there's a lot of improv that, that's like your, some of the stuff you're describing, Harold or short form, you could watch it and almost get the impression that it's, it's pretty rigid. Right. You know, that there is like, these games are set, the Herald form is set, and we can get into all that. But but really, the thing that I've always loved is people just going for it, you know, like just the breaking the mold, breaking the form, like list, going in a new direction. What's, what's, you know, they would, some, some improviser would say, follow the fear, which is like, just like, where can we go that's a totally new place? And and the reason we teach that is because we find that the audience responds most to that. Yeah. They were, they, the, that's our, always been our focus is, how do we put on a great show for the audience? It's not just for you as an improviser to grow as a person, which is a big part of that too, but it's also like, yeah, but you're putting on a show and how can you speak to the audience? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so in your expert opinion, uh, can improv save the world? <laughs> I think it can make the world a little better place. <laughs> I think, I think if everyone did improv, there would be a lot of improv teams, but uh <laughs> I think what it, a lot of people get a lot of healing out of improv. Yeah, you know, I think that they're able to, and they have to pay attention to each other. They have to listen to each other. You cannot do improv well if you're not listening. If you're just waiting to hear your own voice, you're not going to do well. You're That's not. Right. You're not going to get out. And so, I think that there are skills and qualities of human experience that improv accentuates, and it puts you maybe in a better headspace because of it i've also you know gone down an improv black hole and not felt good about myself so i don't think it's like necessarily always the greatest experience for everyone all the time especially if you're doing it constantly which i was doing uh, at some point in my career but yeah but you know what though i think without that ability to fall into a black hole and have those you know moments where it's like not perfect then the highs aren't ever nearly as high either you it can't be easy all the time or else there wouldn't be any true excitement to it. So I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that that's probably a good thing. So what was the highlight of the summer? Uh, you guys, I was surprised when I looked into like all the different shows you guys are putting on, mm-hmm. whether they're house teams or they're people c- coming from New York and, and other places. What was the highlight for you as, as the person, one of the people who founded the theater, what was the highlight of the summer? Well, for the theater, it, it was what you mentioned, the Rap Scraps show. Um, for those of you listening who don't know Rap Scraps, they're a spinoff, essentially, of a lot of UCB, Upper Citizens Brigade improvisers who worked on a show called At, uh, Ask Cat, uh, which was like the show, you know, in, in New York for so long. And these improvisers are like incredible. You know, they are wonderful teachers. 
so Shannon O'Neill uh, is one of them, for example, and she's she's just she just teaches you to follow the weird stuff to like do something unexpected, get out of like the predictable patterns, which you feel safe about. And it's really intimidating <laughs> to do that in front of her and everyone yeah. else. And, and the, the, the workshops we were in together, like I thought, you know, Sebastian Connolly, Alex Kitson, they were like incredible workshops. They were workshops. They were great teachers. And um, I just I had a great day. And then they put on an amazing show. You know, it was, it was three of them we have a pretty small stage and they filled it up with like all kinds of day stuff and like unpredictability. And it was just a wonderful day for the theater, for everyone, for the community. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I'm glad that the one time I was there, it was the highlight, but uh, you know, I, I, it made me actually believe it or not want to go back and check out some of the other things you have going on there um, because it was such a cool, like the transformation was really what got me like going from taking a, a workshop during the day and then seeing how it transformed at night. It was really, really cool. You guys have done a really nice job there. Um, so have you seen an increase in people from two, I guess, you know, in the last two years, right from 2021, when you started to now an increase in the number of people that want to take an improv class? I think it's been, steadily growing in terms of we, and we also seen people who maybe started and start, came, came back, you know, yeah. so they could have maybe even started before the pandemic or they started 2022 and then they took a few classes and they come back. So we've accumulated more people for sure. So it's like, it, it's, it's, we now have an amazing class that just graduated what we call our 401, our, our Herald class, but they do the Herald, you know, mm-hmm. and that was a big class and it was good. So, we definitely have a steady stream of people coming in and more people like kind of inquiring about it. And so, and we also offer things like people can just kind of try their, try once, you know, they do a drop in, you know, on a Thursday night, just sure. like, let me try this or they can come and do the jam. And we see a lot of people who just want to do the jam and try it out. And then they'll sign up for a class. So I think it's, it's funny because I think there were a lot of people who were kind of getting started in improv before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened. They were like, you know, this isn't for me. And I think that that's, totally fine like people just might be affected and maybe like my relationship with other people is different with social gatherings is different so it has been a kind of rebuilding process for sure of uh, people who just were like i'm new to rhode island i don't know anyone how do i meet people that actually is a really common thing for you know reason why people reach out to us they they move here from other city and they say i just want to meet other people and so we definitely see that as well yeah no, absolutely. That's how I, I, I took my first class. I moved to a new, I uh, sold my house in Maine, moved to a different location. And I was like, what's going on around here? Like, what, what, what is what yeah. is happening? And uh, ended up finding a, an improv class and, and I've been taking them ever since. Um, so, okay. So hypothetical scenario here. We got somebody in the audience here listening at home that's hearing this. They want to make the trek to Pawtucket and they want to come see a show and they maybe take a class, do the jam, all those things you talked about, but then they're going to be there for dinner. What's the Mm. one restaurant that you would send them to for a dinner? I have such a good answer for this. So we actually just had a show with two uh, SNL writers, Saturday Night Live writers, um, Kiro Sullivan and Jimmy Fallon. um, And they, I was like so excited to have them there. (laughs) I, I had worked with, here in Boston, but you know, now she's blown up, uh, and Jimmy's huge. So I was like, what do I tell them? Where does it go? You know? So I told them to go to Garden Grill, which is a vegan restaurant 
um, really close to us. And I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. This place is one of the best restaurants in Providence, Rhode Island, you know, Rhode Island area. So it's, it's you know, you can walk to the theaters like 15 minutes or just like a quick hop in the car. Nice. That's great. And and is white pizza really pizza? White pizza? Yeah. <laughs> uh, overall, uh, yeah, I think so. I think you put bread and some stuff on it, and then okay. you're, you've got a pizza. I mean, Rhode Island pizza, I don't know if you've ever had it, but a lot of people say that's not pizza. And I think it is just because there's bread, there's tomato sauce, but that's right. my thought. I mean, I think pizza is in the eye of the beholder, right? If you think it's pizza and you order it and you eat it like pizza, then it's pizza to you. And that's really yeah. that's really all that matters. Um, okay, so how hard was it for you to, to find that space? Like when you guys decided, okay, let's do this, and you started looking – was it mm-hmm. tricky to find a space where you could accommodate a class, turn it into a theater where you could put on a show or was it like, Hey, this whole mill is wide open. Well, we, I would say we looked at 10 spaces, like really, like really dug into them, um, varying sizes and costs. And, you know, one thing we wanted to focus on was the ability to be small to keep our you know budget relatively small. Um, and we had been inspired by a theater that had been in Pawtucket uh, earlier that no longer is around. And they had basically done the same thing. So they had been, they found a mill, they'd opened a really small space, really, really cute. And then child classes there. Um, and, and then, you know, pandemic happened and they decided they didn't want to uh, run the theater anymore. And we're like, well, that was a great idea. So it actually even, the theater, this space though was not the first place we looked at at all. Like we looked all around Providence. Well, another thing about Pawtucket is, it's really easy to do business there. You know, Providence has a lot more kind of red tape, which I love Providence, but to talk it, they're like, Hey, you want a business? Here are the keys. Like go for it. So, right. um, which we don't know, you know, my wife had started, had a, has her own business as a consult as a consultant, but, um, I, I am not a natural business person, although, you know, I, I do really enjoy it. So we were kind of like, okay, this, this seems easy enough. Let's, let's make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, okay. So, who do you think is behind the nonstop calls about our, our auto warranties? Our auto warranties? Yeah. I would say um, people sell auto warranties. <laughs> people, yeah, that's a good guess. People selling, yeah, people guess. selling auto warranties. That's yeah. probably it. Logical. Yeah. That's logical. All right. So <laughs> you've got this amazing uh, opportunity. Somebody has given you this magic wand. This magic wand it's powerful, but it really only does one thing and you only got one use and then it's gone. And all you can do with it is you can change Mount Rushmore. So you, you wave this magic wand and it goes from four dead presidents to instead four comedy movies. So it Mm. magically changes and you've got that power. What are those four movies for your new Mount Rushmore? I really love, ironically, I love Rushmore. The movie, yes. I think, it's wonderful, very funny movie. Uh, not necessarily a comedy, comedy like wacky, but I think really funny. Um, I'm a sucker, huge sucker for the Wedding Singer. Okay. I think Wedding Singer is like a perfect script. I don't know. I've, I people like roll their eyes, but my friend Caitlin and I love this movie. We quote it constantly, and I don't know. I just it's a magical, it's a magical movie. Um, something. Uh, Newer, hmm. What's a good? Con- oh, you know what I really liked was that 
the I don't know if it's on the right Mount Rushmore, but I'm just gonna answer it. Was the movie that came out during the pandemic on Amazon that had um uh it was like they go on vacation like Barb and Oh, Diane oh Dota. My God. They go you know to, what I'm talking about? I do, I do. It had uh, Kristen Wiig and uh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and and Melissa McCarthy maybe was in it, and it Barb was just and, like Barb and Star go to Belmar or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is Belmar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I know in this movie, probably very few people have seen, <laughs> but, but you know, it was like one the one thing you could watch, and it was really fun. Uh, and I and it did have like the sort of improv flavor, which I really like yes. um, as well. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the fourth comedy movie, um, "Some Like a Hot." I mean, "Some Like a Hot" is a great movie. I don't ever seen it. Wow. It's, now it's on Broadway, and it's very funny. I yeah, I was really into like the physical humor and the gags, and like you know Jack Lemmon, uh, yeah. Tony Curtis, Marilyn Monroe. It was like an awesome movie that I, I, I think uh, I have, I, I wanted to rewatch it because now it's on Broadway and my wife just saw the musical, but um, I got to rewatch it. So I don't know how it holds up. Yeah. Amazing. So just a couple quick comments. So I've actually, I'm in my studio and I'm staring at a Rushmore movie poster. One of my all time favorite movies in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, would I call it a comedy? You know what? I think I probably would because I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's going for laughs more than it's going for anything else. But there are some, real you know other notes there too so it's it's an amazing movie and i think the wedding singer when that came out i loved it adam sandler gets a bad rap uh in general mm-hmm. but i think a lot of his movies are actually and movies that he's created there's one called i'm the only person i think that likes this movie but i don't care i think i've seen it like eight times it's called the wrong missy uh, David Spade's mm-hmm. in it, and I think uh, Lupkin's in it, and it's just it, no one likes it, but I do, and I think I think it's like wine. If you like a wine, it doesn't matter if anybody else likes that wine. You like that wine, right? right? So whether it's a wedding singer or the wrong Missy or any other movie, the only thing that matters is does it make you laugh? Do you get enjoyment from it? Yeah, I dig it. I actually, I you made me think of another movie, which is. I mean, the Naked Gun series is so good. I mean, I love Top Secret. Have you ever seen Top Secret? Of course. Oh, that's such a great movie. And, you know, Zucker, Abram Zucker. I watched, like, even Naked Gun 33 and a third is really good. Like, they have this extended sequence at the Oscars. It's, like, so funny. And so, I, I, I yeah. So, I keep going, probably, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Would you rather be tailgating in the right lane of a four-lane highway or going way too slow in the passing lane? Too slow. Too slow in the passing lane. Because I know myself and I would be, I'm not like a fast driver, but I'm kind of an impatient driver. So I try not to tailgate because I just hate it. But at the same time, I also hate being tailgated. So, you know, I guess that's the point of your question. Yeah, no, that, that's a that's, that's a good it's a good answer because it's definitely it's the safer of the two options, right? If you're ta- first of all, I think they're both annoying driving habits, but I think yes. the the more dangerous one is tailgating for sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, someone going way too slow in the left lane it's annoying, but it's not dangerous because you can just scoot around them if you had to, right? So I like that answer. Mm. Um, how likely is it that we're living in a simulation? Not likely. Not likely. Firm, no. That was a very confident and quick answer. I like that. Well, I mentioned I have another career, which is I'm a physicist. Oh. And uh, <laughs> a lot of this stuff comes from, uh, I'm not an active physicist, but I have a PhD in physics. But like, 
I I know where all this stuff comes from, like this multiverse stuff, and and I just think it's so silly. (laughs) I just think it's like the real world is the real world, and don't get me wrong, I know like the arguments, uh, but I'm like, you gotta trust your gut at some point, you know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I dig that. A little grounding. That's what we all need. A little bit of grounding. Um, Okay, what should we all do collectively uh, as a society to put an end to the scourge that is the Jeep wave? The Jeep wave? Yeah, you know the Jeep wave, that annoying thing that people that drive, and I hope you don't have one, a Jeep Wrangler, Mm -hmm. and they all just feel the need to just wave to each other like they're in some special club that nobody can be a part of except for them. No, I didn't know that. It was oh, a thing. it's terrible. No, okay. yeah, yeah, it's... I will say this though. I'm, I, I have, I'm not a Jeep fan. I, I'm not anti Jeep, but it's like, sometimes I'm like, why is your car so mad at me? It's like, you got the, the eyes have the, like the angry eyes and like, you know, sometimes they're, they're decked out and they're super cool. And like, there's a really cool one around here that has like all lights and stuff on it. But then sometimes you're like, I'm mad. I'm 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 mad at you, and maybe they're mad about something else. But they seem mad at me because I'm in their way. Because maybe because they're trying to pass me. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm like, your your car needs to do more improv. You know, relax. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier you you had um, a connection to Boston Improv Boston. Did you also study at Improv Asylum in Boston? I did not study there. I I, I performed there once, like randomly, and uh, I would see shows there for sure. Yeah. yeah, they've got a really cool, so I'm taking classes there now, and they've got this amazing new collab. Uh, it used to be an American Eagle uh, retail store, and mm. they went out of business because a lot of retailers went out of business around COVID and after, and they've turned it into this, like, hive. It's so cool. It's got, like, four or five classrooms, a stage, a mm. bar, a place where you can, like, just chill out and, and write and shoot ideas off each other, and... um They've created a really nice community there, and um, I, I highly encourage. And Improv Boston, a lot of the people that mm-hmm. are at Improv Asylum have also trained at um, Improv Boston. One of my coaches has done both, and they're yeah. and and they they focus on slightly different styles, which I think is is good. You know, to be well rounded, mm-hmm. kind of get a little different perspective. And I think the two people that you mentioned, the the woman that writes for SNL, I forget. Kara. Yeah. Uh, I think one or both of them are, are still heavily connected to, I think one actually went through the whole training program there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Kira, Kira was a, a longtime performer at Improv Time as well as go. Improv Boston. And um, Jimmy is from LA. He was a part of Groundling. So Got it. Uh, we talked about Groundling uh, when he was here, but um I don't know. They might have a, you know, now Improv Asylum is, you know, going national. So I don't know what their relationship is now. They have New York, they have Detroit, I think, or something, you know. So, uh, yeah, Improv Asylum is an amazing business and amazing comedians. And, like, they are they have, like, a very demanding audience because they're, like, right, you know, North End Boston. People are, like, expecting to have a great show. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, it's comedy under pressure, and they know how to deliver, for sure. So, um, Improv Boston, I will say... Um, is running classes. They, they did lose the theater, unfortunately, during um, COVID, but they still have a space in, in Central Square in Cambridge. Um, and I'm just going to, I love them. We have them. Actually, we're going to have them, uh, a group from Improv Boston perform here on Saturday as part oh, of our sweet. show. That's awesome. Yeah. So they come down and um, I'm going to put a shout out for Union Comedy, which is in Somerville. Yeah. Um, and they have a space. Uh, it's, they're kind of similar to us. They're like, I think it's like 40 seats or something like that. 
and uh, really great improvisers. A lot of people I work with at Improv Boston are union now. Um, and they're, they put a show called The Pickle, which is like a monologue show, like Armando uh, Diaz kind of thing. And um, really fun, really great space. So please check them out too. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, okay, we've got only a couple questions. One is relatively yeah. easy. And, and the other one is probably a little bit more challenging. I'm going to give you the easy one first. How many UFOs have you seen? I feel like I've definitely seen one and maybe like a, maybe I'm not sure about like a couple more, but one, I was like, that's, that's UFO. That's something that's like hovering in the sky for sure. So one and a half. So just give a couple of brief highlights. How long ago was it? Where was it? I think it was about 10 years ago and I was in the wilderness somewhere outside Boston. Maybe I was like on the Cape or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like, or more like in the woods. It was more like, you know, I, was, I used to, I, it's more at night probably because I, but I like bicycle a lot. So I'll go on these, like, I used to be a cyclist, but so I'll go on these really long trips and I probably was like out in Weston or something and like saw something yeah. in the sky. Mm -hmm. That works for me. Okay. So, uh, here we go. I, I need you to provide your expert, uh, opinion and rank the following four things in order of overall cultural impact. Now it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean what you like or what you think should be people should like, but just overall impact. Okay. So the four things are in sync, the band mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese films, mm -hmm. Brady bunch mm -hmm. and Starbucks. Okay. So just to repeat the question is what's their cultural impact? Yeah. Rank. What's the, what's had the biggest cultural impact on our society? Uh, mm. One to four. Okay, just to review. Starbucks again. Starbucks. Absolutely. Starbucks. Yep. Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese films, and mm -hmm. In Sync, the boy band. I think I'm going to say Scorsese first because number one, because I just watched Casino, and it's so good, and and I think people you can't underestimate how much he's impacted. Mm. Culture. I mean, maybe like tough guy culture a little bit, but like Sopranos, Goodfellas, like I mean, that's him, obviously. But like, like they have such cultural resonance, like yeah. in ways that I think are impossible to to measure. Yeah, he paved the way. No, number two, I think Starbucks. I think coffee culture. I remember when it was a thing. You know, I'm old enough to be like, they're like, what is this? What is this like Italian coffee? Yeah, what is? <laughs> and just like the idea of like sort of the regeneration of the the town corner in a new form, you know, like the corner shop. Like now, instead of you know, you know, if you when I when I am retired, I plan to be one of those you know old gentlemen hanging around out in front of a coffee shop, and like now we'll be a Starbucks, right? It'll be right. it'll be. You'll be hanging out there talking about, you know, when we did improv when I'm, you know, 70, right. if I'm still alive. Uh, I think third will be the Brady Bunch. Wow. Okay. Because I think people's idea of family comes a lot from the Brady Bunch and the idea of like the new kind of family, you know, that, you know, stepdad, stepmom. And like, I think that it sort of was a trendsetter in that way, or, or at least it helped people understand it. And the reason I say and think it's not is because I'm just like I don't like it. <laughs> but That's you know you have answer. to you, you have to say uh, I'm not against 
<laughs> actually when I was a when I I worked a long time ago worked as a in restaurants and stuff. My first job was a dishwasher and the the cook at this we'd do brunch, Sunday brunch, and we'd always the cook would always listen to Casey Kasem like top forty hits or whatever. And so I remember when NSYNC was big. And I was never listening to NSYNC. I was listening to like, you know, Radiohead, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, sure. that kind of thing. And he would just sing at the top of his lungs, like NSYNC songs, Backstreet Boys. Uh, also, I do think Backstreet Boys like kind of are more important than NSYNC. So they like default, you can't, they can't be top, you know, in terms yeah. of influence. Cause, so, 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 you know, they're all important though. They're all important. No, I, I love that answer. I think it's, I think the correct uh, place for NSYNC in that list is certainly number four, because if you think about it, the Brady Bunch as a TV concept had not been done. They had not shown a couple in bed. They had not shown people mm. with stepkids coming together. Like it was a new, it was cheesy and all that, but it was new. Starbucks for all the reasons why you mentioned Scorsese films, absolutely. But NSYNC, the boy band had been done already many times. Like it mm. wasn't like a new concept. The boy band goes back to the fifties, the forties. Like that was right. a concept that was uh, rehashed over and over again. So. That's 100% accurate. All right, so let's tell everybody listening at home, everyone in the studio audience, how do they learn more about Kismet? How do they find out how to take a class? What show's going hmm. on? Where are you out there in the digital world that we live in? Well, our site is very informative. It's kismetimprov.com. That's K-I-S-M-E-T, improv.com. I'm sure you'll have a link for it. Um, and we have you know classes, shows, uh, all the information you need there. We're very active on Instagram. We're not so much active on Facebook, but we're very active on Instagram. So follow us at Kismet Improv RI. Um, and we post about all our shows and any classes. And we're actually having auditions. Auditions are going to happen in October. There's a huge auditions page on our website nice. um, that you can find via Instagram as well. Um, and would love for people to come out if they're improvisers. And they, you know, we have people come down from Boston. We have people yeah. come from Connecticut, like an hour away. So, we're a great place. People vote with their wheels, you know. So, so please uh, come on out and check us out. Yeah, I, uh, I that way. I echo all of that. If you're anywhere remotely close, or even not remotely close, you got to go check this place out. Take a class, see a show. I wish you could see the people in the audience here. They're on their feet. They're giving you the wave. You. They've got big, huge flags with Pawtucket symbol. I'm not sure what that is, but. They're all they're all happy for everything that's going on. And I want to personally thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure, and I wish you continued success with Kismet. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Take care.